Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. This promises to be a pretty interesting conversation. Obviously, I've had a ton of conversations on this show about small business and all that that entails. But this is going to be a little different approach to it, a little different way of thinking about it. It promises to be very intriguing. I'm joined this morning by Paul Downs, the author of a book called Boss Life, Surviving My Own Small Business. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. It's my pleasure to be here. Now, the pleasure is mine. Thanks for making time to join us. I know you're awfully busy getting out there, being a small businessman, and promoting this, uh, frankly, an award-winning book, Forbes Best Business Book of the Year, and 800 CEO Read Best Book of the Year. So it's gotten a lot of accolades, deservedly so. So going to be a cool conversation. Before we get into the book, though, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background. Okay. I have a company that makes custom boardroom tables and conference tables. But I started off 30 years ago, fresh out of college, with sort of a half-formed desire to be a furniture maker. I knew nothing about making furniture, and I knew nothing about business. But Fortunately for me, there were many books about how to be a furniture, you know, how to make furniture. Unfortunately for me, there were zero about how to do it professionally. So I started off and managed through my own luck and skills to get the business going. And 30 years later, we now have 19 employees, and we do about $3 million a year with customers all over the country. Outstanding. Well, congratulations on that. But part of the conversation today, well, actually not part of it, the conversation today, what this book's all about is, as your tagline says, surviving my own small business. It's an interesting point of view because, as, as uh, you guys have said, most of the business books out there are about Steve Jobs types people and Elon Musk who are billion trillionaires who have built this game-changing, world-changing business. That's very few and far between. Most people out there are guys like you and I hacking away daily trying to just make a living and get by running a small business, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's unfortunate that in our culture, we pay inordinate amounts of attention to the extreme outliers. And that leaves ordinary people like myself with the impression that struggling is shameful, that if you're not a billionaire, you've done something wrong. And that simply trying to provide for your family and your employees and your clients is not taking on enough responsibility. And I came to writing in sort of an unusual way. I never intended to be an author in any way, but I was a habitual reader of the New York Times online, and in 2009, I made an offer to them to write about my small business struggles in their online blog. And specifically, I thought that I was just about to go out of business at the end of that year. And uh, I was looking for information on what it's like, you know, what, is, what do you do as an owner of, of a business if you're about to close the doors? And I really found nothing. And I thought, okay, I'm about to go out of business. It's going to be terrible. And I don't know what I'm going to be doing with myself all day. So I made, wrote an email to the editor and said, I'm about to go under and uh, I'll tell my story and, and share it for others for, you know, they can get whatever they get out of it. 
And uh, to my surprise, they took me up on the offer. And so my first writing gig was writing for the New York Times. And I did that for four years. And then in the middle of that run, uh, in 2012, I was approached by an agent who asked me whether I wanted to write a book. And I was like, sure, I'll write a book. And because what I had found in blogging, and you may run into this in podcasting, is that you have to break up your life into sort of episodes and lessons. And that's not how it actually goes. And so I decided to write a book that really depicted what my life as a small business boss was like. And that means dealing with a very wide range of challenges every day and not knowing enough to really make good decisions, but having to make decisions anyway and constantly chasing cash and trying to keep the doors open. So that's what the book is about. Well, as you've described your own business, it's neither failed nor thrived, which is an interesting point of view. And as you said just a second ago, most of us think we're failures if we're not a billionaire. Fact is, 99.9%, if not higher, we're never going to be billionaires. Most of us are never going to be millionaires. I mean, it's okay, right? I mean, that's to run a small business and to get by day to day, it's perfectly fine to not thrive. I mean, I, I just think it's a mindset that makes people so stressed about their work and they don't takes all the joy out of it if they're constantly trying to meet these thresholds that society and culture dictate, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been like at a Christmas party with some doctors and lawyers listening to them talk about their fancy vacations and thinking, I can't afford any of that. <laughs> and they're looking at me and saying, oh, you own your own business and assuming that I'm prosperous. And I'm just not. How do you, when, when someone comes to you and says, oh, God, I'm really struggling here. I mean, how do you, how do you help that person change that mindset? Struggling in the sense of, I just can't get the big break that just makes this easy. I, I think, I guess what I'm really trying to ask is, how do you convince people that running a, a business, whether it's small, medium, or large, it's not easy, uh, but it has to be something meaningful that you get joy out of, but it's just not supposed to be easy. Well, I think that when people complain to me about, about their troubles, the first thing is just listen carefully to what they're saying, because a lot of times people just don't have anybody to talk to that really understands their situation. You know, people who, who the employees don't want to hear it, and you really can't complain to your employees about your business. And you may or may not have peers who understand anything about the lifestyle. And then the other thing is to, to think about, okay, well, what is their situation? If, if I can be helpful, a lot of times it's thinking about, well, what is this person doing or what is happening to them? And separating out the things they can control from the things they can't control. Because there's, a, there's three ways to fail. And the first one is to be subject to sort of the vast forces of the economy and to be, to be influenced by things that you have no control over that you're never going to be able to change. And then the second way to fail is just straight out bad luck. You could be doing everything right and just have a dreadful incident of some type that puts you out of business. But the third way are the decisions that you yourself make and the, the actions you're taking. So if you can listen to someone and separate out those three things and say, okay, well, here's what you can do, and I can help you if I can to, to, to achieve a different way of operating than you are now, then maybe we can help that person run their business better. But being a, you know, just acknowledging that there's a lot going on and that it's not always an easy road to riches is the first step. 
Yeah, yeah. At the top of the show, you said uh, that when you started your business, which was making custom furniture, there were plenty of books about how to make furniture, but very few that help you do it very, very well and professionally. Now, flash forward to today, if you go on Amazon and type in small business, you're probably going to come across thousands upon thousands of titles around small business. Did the world really need this book? What's different about Paul Down's approach to this book that makes this worthwhile for small business readers? Well, I don't give advice. You know, that, that's the, the absolute difference between my book and all other books. I've been looking for years for, a, for someone to tell a story about their own small business that just dove into the numbers and said, here's what I do all day and here's the challenges I have, and I never found it. And so I decided to write the book that way and to not try to tell you how smart I am or how rich I am, but to say, hey, this is just what it looks like, you know. And that's, it's, it's amazing to me that I'm the first one to come up with this. Because if you think about it, suppose you were wondering what it's like to be married. And, you know, you're single and you're like, I wonder what it's going to be like when I'm married. And you go to, you can watch any number of movies or watch TV shows or look at novels or look at advice books or columns or this or that. You get a really, you get every possible perspective on what it's like to be married. And your own experience is likely to lie in there somewhere. Well, now go to the business press. What's it like to run a small business? You're not going to find anything that really depicts the day-to-day existence in the way that my book does, because everybody else is focused on trying to come up with actions you can take to optimize your wealth, and that's really just not always helpful. The first thing is just to acknowledge that it might not be as easy as doing these five things and being on the path to success, but it's a, it's, it's a, it's a message that's missing from the national conversation about business. Well, it almost seems to me that the more important I don't know what the right word is. The most important thing from your book is, yeah, there's there's lessons to be learned from your stories. And when you talk about how you had to let go an employee, there's there may be lessons learned from that so you can do it yourself. But it, I think it's almost equally, if not more so important, just to hear that Paul Downs is a guy like me and there's someone else out there going through these things. Absolutely. And I've, I've the book's been out for a year and just came out in paperback. But I've heard from hundreds of business owners who wrote me to just say thank you. You know, I appreciate someone who who understands my life. And even though, you know, furniture is a different business than a lot of the people who write me, but we all struggle with, with cash and sales and all the various issues we come up against. But the, the ease of become of having solidarity with your with your fellow business owners, it's not there. It's shameful to talk about difficulty and failure. And so we end up not doing it. And who's you know, who's helped in that situation? The country will be much better off if small business people succeed. So why are we afraid to talk about the real difficulty involved? I don't really have an answer for that, but I was given an opportunity to contribute my own story to the conversation, so that's what I've done. Yeah, well, (laughs) when you think about our society and culture and and when you go to that Chamber of Commerce mixer or you are, are talking to your network on Facebook, uh, you're always presenting this perfect rosy picture of this, the perfect life. And we all know that's just not reality. So appreciate you doing what you did here with Boss Life. All right. So when Paul and I return, we're going to dive into four critical issues that, that all small business owners face. Paul and I will be right back. Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. 
It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine or the result that's determined for you. When you see, seize, and create opportunity for yourself, you take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. Only realized potential cashes the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think Next, Act Now, and go always forward. To learn more, go to BillWoodich.com. That's BillWoodich.com. All right, I am back with Paul Downs, the author of Boss Life, Surviving My Own Small Business. So, Paul, let's dive into some of the real issues that all small business people face. Let's start with finding new business. This, you know, we're not talking about a large enterprise that has a vice president of sales and several sales managers and funding for sales training and access to all these materials and high-end software to help with the sales process and CRMs and all that. We're talking about the guy who's the <laughs> who's responsible for everything, including sales, right? I mean, there's a lot of challenges that come with small business people and finding business, right? Absolutely. And in my business, you know, we're looking for people who are looking for a particular item at a particular time. People don't buy conference tables every day. So I have to find a way to connect to those people who are doing it. And we've been very fortunate with our experience with Google, which is driving much of my business now. But I need to move forward and start to do business through other channels, and it's a huge challenge just for all the reasons you mentioned, that I don't have the resources to throw a ton of money at it. We've got to bootstrap ourselves. So every decision I make has to work. And if one of them doesn't work, then we grind to a halt, and that's that's a hard thing to deal with. Here's the biggest business development challenge that I face as a small business owner, Paul, and, and it's when I sell, when I focus on selling, I, I've, I've been somewhat successful at that and, and have figured out a procedure and a process by which I can close a new business. But then here's my problem. When I'm successful at that, well, now I have to shift into executing on that business and I have to devote time, energy, focus, and resources on actually doing the business that I sold. Now, when I'm doing that, I'm, I'm no longer selling. And then all of a sudden, I complete all these projects, and then boom, I have an empty tank because I haven't invested time in, in actually selling business whilst I was working on the actual business that I sold. Common problem, I suspect. Any, any thoughts, comments on that? I imagine it's a common Well, that's, that is the classic single-man, single-person business dilemma. And the solution, actually, is employees or outsourcing some of the functions you have so that you're always doing marketing. And I went through that phase that you're describing back in the 80s, but everybody has this hump to go over. Uh, when it starts to become, you know, and, and it's a decision you have to make. Do I want to be, do I want to have employees? Because that's a responsibility. And, and what, what happens is that the need for sales just gets bigger. You know, now you've got to cover the nut of yourself and the employee. So, you may or may not actually be better off, or you may or may not like that new world that you've entered. I think a lot of it has to do with your affinity and talent for making sales, and that if someone is really good at making sales, they should probably just be making sales. But if they're struggling to do it, 
it might be better to find someone else to do it so you can concentrate on production. Right, right. Well, we could talk for hours on that subject, but uh, let's quickly move to that kind of that second grouping of issues. And that co- does come when you now have employees. It changes everything when you are operating a small business is the hiring and the firing and the supervising. And I've heard from plenty of people who said, good Lord, it's all consuming. It's all I do is just deal with these people. I, I talk about some of those challenges. Well, it's true. And when you, when you hire your first employee, your role changes from being sort of the one who does stuff to being the one who explains how to do stuff. So the first thing to do is to get your new employee and teach them how to do the business. And that can mean that you have to now start thinking about and writing down procedures that you do naturally when you're doing it by yourself. And you also have to be willing to give direction constantly to employees to make sure that they know what to do on any given day and that they're doing it correctly. And it's a very, very different mindset. You have to be get yourself used to and comfortable with giving orders and, and monitoring performance and thinking about how to do things better all the time. So, I, I, again, that's a decision not to be taken lightly. I think that the the biggest single break point in the growth of any business is when you hire that first employee. And if you can manage that, then the others are a little bit easier. Not always easier, you know, like a lot easier, but at least you've had the experience of managing other people. Yeah. I think one of the things you talk about a lot uh, is is the importance of making good and smart decisions. And I think another problem that occurs when you graduate to that next level where you do have employees and as the as the business owner, it's easy to say, well, I have to make a decision here and, and this is what I think is going to happen and I, I make or do, do not make the decision. What you have to recognize now is that when you make a decision with when you have employees, your decisions severely impact those employees. And I imagine that's a, another area of grad, when you graduate to that level that, that owners forget about that. Hey, everything I, every move I make has real impacts down, down into the organization. Well, I never forgot that. I mean, it was apparent to me from, from the minute my first one showed up that, wait, this person is more or less in your hands during the time they're here. You have a legal obligation to provide a safe workplace and to pay them correctly and to pay the taxes. But beyond that, you have a decision to make about what kind of relationship you want to have with your employees. And I think that different businesses, it, it can be different. But in my case, my people are around for years and years and years, and we're doing difficult, highly skilled work together, and I want to have a good relationship with them. So a lot of my decisions are are really passed through the filter of, is this going to be good for all of us? Because there's no real pleasure in coming in in the morning if everybody's pissed at me or, you know, if I have people quitting every three weeks or if I'm doing something illegally and I'm worried about the cops showing up. So I just try to to run a dignified, ethical, legal workplace, and that that's a guidepost for every decision I make. How do you deal with the dynamic where, in an ideal world, Paul, every employee you have, their their missions, their life's purpose, their life's mission is to make and handcraft beautiful furniture versus the person who's like, I need a job and I want to go somewhere from 9 to 5 where I earn a salary <laughs> versus well coming- I, I honestly i don't think that those are mutually exclusive visions that that ideally a business can not only provide an opportunity for 
the employees to do great work but can provide for their prosperity as well. And I think that in my experience, it's much easier for people to do good work if you can come up with decent wages and you get a kind of person who is really interested in in being there for the long haul if they don't feel like they have to make a choice between having a normal economic life and having a having doing business they like. So we've been fortunate to find a product in a market that allows this handcrafted ethic to continue. But it is a struggle in today's manufacturing and technological environment to consider how can we continue to deploy people to do things when there are overseas competitors with cheaper labor or products being produced by robots that I have to go head-to-head with. And, you know, there's no easy answer to that. It's a constantly evolving situation. Accounting is certainly another area that can trip up uh, plenty of small business people. I would define that as one of my weaker areas as well, and I'm always trying to figure out how to get better at, at that. It's a pretty common problem, right? I mean, there's a lot of small businesses that go under, not because they have don't have a good product to sell or, frankly, can even are good at selling it. They just don't manage their money very well. Well, part of the problem is that the, 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 the field of accounting and all the tools of accounting and everything you get if you buy a copy of QuickBooks or something are really based on looking backwards in time and sort of saying, well, what happened here? You know, you just lost $100,000. But... They have very weak tools for looking forward and projecting what your cash situation is going to be and how you, you know, how you might get your way through that. So the first thing about accounting is, like you, I started with no accounting knowledge and I'm still weak on sort of the classical accounting bits, but I realized that my life, live or die, is, is all about cash flow. And So I wrote my own tools, my own spreadsheets that allow me to project bank balances out as far as I need to. And that's what I use to keep an eye on how much money I've got and how much I need. You have to have a commitment to think about it. If you are a kind of person who is not a good money manager and doesn't like to keep track of every penny you've got, then you may find small business ownership to be very challenging. Now, if you can find someone you really trust to do that for you, then great. But you have to have someone you can trust. You know, like if you've got no idea how much money you should have, then you're vulnerable to having someone steal some from you. And so I think that the, the, the real lesson is that a business owner has to be willing to, to look at the details in a lot of different ways and to really pay attention to a lot of stuff that's not all that interesting or exciting, but is critical to the survival of the business. And the numbers are certainly number one on that list. Well, one of the things that's unique about you, Paul, is that you are, and correct me if I have this wrong, but I believe that you are very proactive in sharing the finances of the business with your team, right? I mean, there are plenty of people out there that don't like to share finances with their spouse, <laughs> let alone with their entire team. Talk about that. The, the, yeah, yeah. The good I mean, news that comes from it. That's, that's, a, that's a, an amazing thing when your team is understanding of what's going on. Well, it took me a long time to come to that point. I, I ran the business for well more than almost a quarter century before I realized that, you know, I used to stalk around the shop and wonder why people would throw out perfectly good materials or why they weren't worried about our cash situation. And I finally dawned on me that they weren't worried because they knew nothing about that. They had no knowledge whatsoever about the numbers in the business because I didn't tell them. 
once I decided, hey, you know, I think I could at least get us all on the same page if I start sharing this information and teaching them something about how the numbers work for this business, it turned out to be enormously helpful because I felt an immediate uh, decrease in my stress and they felt an immediate increase in their stress and started to behave differently because now they understood how their own actions affected the health of the business. And as I said, my employees are around for the long run. So everybody's prosperity depends on the health of the business. And when they understood how they contribute to that, they all started behaving differently. Now, I'm not going to say that this is the correct move for every business owner, because if you're running something like an ice cream stand where, you know, you've put up all your money and you're hiring a bunch of teenagers to come in for three months at a time, I wouldn't share numbers in that case. Why bother? They're not going to be around. But the my employees are, are not only going to be around for the long run, but I also made a decision to actually tell them how much money I make on a given year. And that was, uh, everybody's, everybody who heard about that was horrified. But uh-huh. The truth is, I don't make so much money. And they, again, the employees were surprised to hear how little I made. And it, they, it made it easier for me to have discussions with them when there were hard decisions to be made to have some credibility and not just make it seem like, oh, I was laying that person off because I want to buy a new Mercedes or something. You know, it's just, that's just not how it goes. And now they're, they have the actual facts to work with. So we're not, we're not all laboring under misimpressions and misinformation and stuff that they made up in their own heads. Well, and that's been very helpful. I, yeah, I can imagine. You said at the very, very top of the show that you did $3 million in business. And for all those out there who do not and have not run a small business, uh, that, does it, that does not mean that Paul's salary is $3 million. Let me, no, I mean, a lot of people me. would assume that, though. Yeah. And, and honestly, I'll tell you that the, in, the, in the worst years, in the last five years, I've made about 60000 And in the best years, I've made about a quarter million. And it could be anywhere in between there on any given, you know, any given year. And I think that aside from that range, which may not sound so bad, it's the uncertainty of knowing how much you're going to make next year that most people would find very difficult to deal with. Yeah. And so I've learned to live with that. You know, basically, I live on the 60 grand and anything else is just gravy. But I also have to be ready to take all that money and put it back into the business at any given moment because, uh, you know, we're operating at without a bank line of credit, and I have to be willing to finance operations if I need to. Yeah, yeah. And you've gone without pay plenty of times uh, through your business. Oh, I'm doing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's close on uh, another topic uh, on work-life balance. Now, I'm one of those people that says there is is no such thing. Uh, Your work is your life, and and it's inseparable. At least it is for me. And and I've built a business, and i built a way to earn a living that, that... it fuels me and drives me and excites me. And so I don't mind taking that email at, at 11 o'clock at night because it's building something that I love and I'm, and I'm believing in. But that's not everyone's point of view. And, and we all, I mean, you talked about your autistic child and the challenges that comes with that. I mean, talk about work-life balance as it relates to a small business person and, and how, they, how they deal with that. Well, I think that, that the, this question sort of is, can be considered the same way people's marriages are, which is that we're all married, but we all have a unique deal with our spouse. And the same thing with the work. Like, it's, not, it's impossible for me to not think about work when I'm at home. But on the other hand, 
I've made a decision that it's important to me that I have a healthy family life and that I be available to my wife and kids so that when I'm home, I'm home. And, and the the decision has had real impact on my ability to grow the business because I just don't work as long hours as many successful business people do. On the other hand, I have a healthy home life. I mean, the challenges of my special needs son notwithstanding, and those are considerable, but marriage is strong and my other kids are doing well. And I don't, I don't, I feel like I've made the right choices for me, but everybody has to make their own choices. And people also have to take into account their kind of default reaction to being under stress all the time. And if you, if your knee-jerk reaction to stress is something that's unhealthy, like drinking or constant anger or, you know, infidelity or whatever you may do, it's going to be very difficult. And if you, if you can find a way to manage the stress that involves forming a, a real partnership with your spouse and, and being honest with your kids about what's possible and what's not economically, I think you can survive it. That's, that's really been my strategy. But I don't really want to tell anybody else what to do just to acknowledge that it's unlikely that you're going to be able to ever really relax or walk away from a small business. It just, I don't see that happening with anybody I know. And it's all about learning to uh, do things in your own life that allow you to be healthy, exercise and, you know, whatever. Whatever you do to blow off steam, hopefully it's something that's good for you. Yeah. Well, you know, I hate to be cliched, but it's the deal of uh, if you have a happy home life and and that's all the riches most people need. Uh, and that's the realization yep. that a lot of people come through after living some life is that at the end of the day, it's not about having a Porsche. It's about coming home to a wonderful place. It's warm and inviting and, and where you're loved. I mean, that's that's. That is all the riches uh, that, that, that most of us really need. One final comment. I, to, to those who say, oh, well, gosh, if it wasn't for these problem employees, this would be a fun fun job. Or, if boy, if I didn't have all these personal problems at home, this would be easy. The point is, Paul, we're always going to have difficult employees or difficult situations related to employees. We're always, we all have problems at home <laughs> that 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 that's just part of life and you have to learn how to just go with that right absolutely i mean i i people who hear about the particulars of my son are like oh you poor thing and 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 i'm like well you know maybe but i could be way worse off and and everybody's got something and i think that beyond the sort of the the idea of winning at business uh we should look at what is it you know, we get one life on this earth, and how can we move forward and, and do the most good and the least harm we can? And sometimes those questions really come down to thinking about things in other ways than, than dollars and cents and, and just trying to do your best and acknowledge that it's hard. So to the extent that my book does anything, it's just to, to say, hey, I struggle, and to anybody else who struggles, you're not the only one out there. Yeah. Well, Paul, as I suspected, our conversation has yielded about 250 other discussion topics I'd love to dive into, but we're out of time for today. Before I let you go, how can people contact you should they have any questions? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of Boss Life? Well, Boss Life, Surviving My Own Small Business, it's available at bookstores. It's pretty widely distributed in physical copies, and of course, you can get it online. If you Google Paul Downs Boss Life, you'll, you'll find sources for it. 
my email address is at the end of the book, so if someone has a question, they can they can email me directly. Or if you uh, want to contact me through my company website, pauldowns.com. One of the great pleasures of my life is is hearing from readers and and doing what I can to provide encouragement and advice. So feel free to reach out to me. Paul Downs, the author of Boss Life, Surviving My Own Small Business. Paul, my friend, it was great to have you. Thanks so much for stopping by and giving us some time. Todd, thank you. It was my pleasure. All right. All the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Paul Downs, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at Intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.